Hi, I'm Marcy. And I'm Akko. And welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. Yes, colorful backgrounds. <laughs> and today we'll be talking and discussing Marcy's pick, Heimele Ahilo, a Hilo song by Raika Aoki. But hey. before that, I have a question for you, Marcy. Mm, what's up? So I was thinking a lot about love triangles, and I wanted to know if you have any thoughts on the classic love triangle. Hmm, that is an interesting-ass question. Like, I'm, I'm kind of curious what, what, what makes you ask me that. <laughs> um, maybe, perhaps, we're starting a new section on this podcast called okay, I Ask oh <laughs> Okay, I, I mean, shit, like, I'm always down for, like, some new sections of shit, so yeah, that's totally fine. But yeah, so my thought on the classic love triangle, so... It's actually really funny that you say that because like even, I mean, we're like kind of somewhat further along in our podcast at this point. You know, we're talking about our fourth book. Like, you know, like she's a podcast at this point. And it's funny because like it is, I've noticed that that, I guess that phenomenon has been present in like a few of the books that we've read thus far. Actually, pretty much all, literally all the books we've read so far. Um, And I don't know, I feel like historically love triangles, like I know it's not specific to literature, but like... I guess I'm always left a little bit confused as to what the point of them are a lot of the times. Mm. Like, cause I feel like sometimes like you watch, like, you know, I think about, for example, like, you know, like things like Twilight, right. Whereas like, there was like Bella and like Edwin, what's his name? Edwin. I don't know. Edgar. Oh my God. I don't know. Taylor. Team Edward. Uh, oh team yeah. Oh, team Edward and team. Jacob. Uh, what's Jacob. Okay. T- yes. So like, I think about those motherfuckers and like, I don't know, like there was a love triangle, but it was like, why like i'm like am i supposed to like this like am i as a viewer or a witness or am i supposed to like be rooting for someone like what exactly is the point of this i don't know i feel Mm -mm. like love triangles like though they exist in real life i do feel like sometimes the way that they play out in media can be a little i don't know kind of oversimplified in some ways i don't know what do you think you know i actually agree with that i agree that in teen novels and things of that sort it's almost like an opportunity to create conflict without having to do much deep writing if done poorly, right? So Mm. if there's a love triangle, there's automatically a conflict and there's automatically a winner and a loser. Whereas Mm. if you compare that to something like Sula, where the love triangle is something much more complex and philosophical almost, or shows the limits of society or shows the ways we limit ourselves, then it's a much more interesting story and it's not just a love triangle it's a matter of oh this is the reality of life and what we can right. and can't do based on like social norms or social limitations then you're like oh that's interesting but when mm. you're like vampires versus where oh oh well that's fine that's fine <laughs> so i mean girl that like like that like sure i mean that's the, that's a decision you could make but like <laughs> this is really what you want to do sis like this is really like, we're really stopping here at this point i don't know like that okay that's actually that's really interesting yeah because i think that like because i think about yeah in sula it, it, like there was definitely a love triangle but it wasn't like it didn't irritate me if anything it was like i mean <sighs> I mean, it kind of did in the sense that it was just like, damn, you know, like, it's just like, damn, like, Nell and Sue, like, y'all really have so much in common, and y'all are so, like, compatible, like, Jude Green, girl, like, this is the reason that y'all fell out, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's just like, damn, hey, I don't Jude. know, it's just, oh, like, Jude, like, that nigga was relevant for, like, 10 pages, I was like, damn, like, it's just like, he literally never boat. heard from him again and didn't care, like, I don't know, but, like, I guess... So funny enough, so actually, so speaking of, I guess, the books we've been reading, so something that also, I guess, 
it's really funny because I remember the first time I ever, I ever even heard the word love triangle. Like I, like back when, I guess when I was like you know in middle school or whatever. I don't. I literally thought it was like a triangle of people who all loved each other, sort of similar mm. to the, the fifth season Loki. And like I feel like in some ways, like I've never really seen that happen. Aside from fifth season, honestly, where like there's like a love triangle where it's like, oh, like who are they gonna choose? But then they like all choose each other, and it becomes this like poly like lit f like thing. Like I feel like I don't know. I feel like love triangles are like the easiest way to talk about polyamorous relationships, and like that just like doesn't happen most of the time. It's like it always do- goes to that default back to monogamy. It's like okay, you can only choose one. Like it's like you know, like I feel like mm. it does in some ways kind of feel like a missed opportunity in, in a lot of cases. Um. So it's not to say that love triangles in in themselves are problematic. I think it's just a matter of like just yeah, like like you said, kind of how they're done is is interesting. Yeah, it, maybe it makes unnecessary rivalries and yeah, exactly. Maybe, or yeah, I, I tried to actually before this look up the history of love triangles, which I don't know why I did since it's a trope that's like older than time itself, or <laughs> at least as old as monogamy, I suppose. Um, right. <laughs> and I all I could find was this. I mean, I could find a lot of like. BuzzFeed articles about it, but all I could really find on like a scholastic level was this Atlantic article from 1988, mm-hmm. which made it into this weird, not weird, well, kind of weird, like Freudian concept of Oedipus, and it's like an Oedipus complex relationship. And I was like, okay, Atlantic 19- 1988. I think you're stretching it a little bit. Here. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but um, so That's I couldn't really find right. I was like, this is odd. So I couldn't really find that much on it. I mean, of course, if the listen, if the listeners find some deep, uh, maybe one of you is a love triangle exploratory device expert, and you have all the tea on how this works. <laughs> please feel free to share it with us right like please pour us some because girl we clearly (laughs) you don't have that much we got our mugs ready so you listen right but yeah i do think i think the love triangle has a place it just needs to be more fleshed out it's only when it's used in a sort of easy trope type of way that it becomes annoying and i also do want to say i don't want to rag too much on teen girl novels because everyone rags on them like twilight is a fine book it's not right. a great book, but it's a fine. It's not like book. disproportionately worse than like every other book, you know. Like it's like exactly, right, like, exactly. <laughs> like <laughs> so, but in case, so that is our discussion about love triangles. Maybe we'll revisit this topic in the future. But for now, we're gonna take a quick break and then start in with our summary. Sounds good. Yes. So as Akko mentioned earlier, this week we're going to be discussing Hemele Ahilo, a Hilo song by Raika Aoki. And, you know, as customary for like the first time we ever discuss a book, I figured, you know, since this is the second book on my list, I would sort of take, you know, a little bit of a chance to kind of talk about why I picked this book in in particular. Because as, as we go on with the podcast, you'll sort of see that like, at least for me, thematically, like like my reasonings for books, it's fairly consistent throughout. But um, ooh, you have a theme, Marcy? Oh, a little bit, you know, a little bit. We'll let the 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 listeners find out. But um, so as we were kind of talking about in episode one, you know, one aside from like this podcast being a great way for me and Akko to keep in touch and sort of a way for us to like high key, like you know, read more literature that we've been meaning to read and things like that. I also think it's really important to really explore like 
the imagination and sort of like fantastical capacities of like especially queer and trans people of color like that's mm. just for me really really important because i think also i mean oftentimes you know when we talk about like liberation and you know, like people who have marginalized identities it's always through that lens of like being marginalized or like kind of having something taken from you and like you know just being Ooh, sort of like at the receiving end of some sort of like ill treatment or oppression which is like real as hell like do, like that is not <laughs> like i'm not minimizing that but like there's so many intellectual and imaginative capacities that come from having like a particular experience especially one that's not necessarily normative or mainstream or dominant or anything like that so especially as we're talking about like magical realism and fiction and sort of like these things like i'm like this is let's really hone in here and like kind of focus on the imaginations of people that we often don't really think about in terms of in like in this realm so wait marcy are you saying that marginalized people are actually holistic beings with thoughts feelings imagination and deeper perspectives you know what Akko? a bitch could say you might could say (laughs) yes to that question like hi like like like, i think i might be getting to that like on the low like real low key (laughs) but yeah so like but like but yeah in all seriousness though like you know that was definitely like a huge motivation not only for picking this book but like you know further books on this list and also like you know with this book in particular it talks a lot about Hawaii like all of like all of the events are centered mm. on Hawaii and like explore Hawaiian history and culture and things of that nature and so for me I was like you know what like I'm not going to be on my high horse and pretend like, you know, a bitch knows everything about every place and like every Ooh, group. <laughs> so I'm like, child, let me like, you know, explore, you know, like tales and narratives that focuses on, you know, that focus on cultures and experiences that aren't necessarily my own. So like, you know, I can kind of like not only learn about like kind of other experiences, but also sort of like do so in a way that's like in a more creative sort of literary way. And also, I mean, just keeping it real, Goodreads has been that girl when it came to getting our list together. And so, like, Goodreads was like, bitch, you better read this book. <laughs> Shit is good, girl. Like, everyone was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, this is a really good book, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, so all these things together, that's kind of why I chose it. Ooh, so, I yes. love it. Let's, Thank you. Yeah, I want to hear more about it. I mean, just to echo Marcy's point, yes, the, you know, part of this podcast is really to say that we can't necessarily understand deeply everyone's experience, but it doesn't mean we can't give it you know a college try so it's right good to, right like we oh i'll never understand because i'll just go take a nap and never think about <laughs> anyone else's experiences so our, our hope is hey you know let's use literature as a way to you know hear the heart of someone hear hear their perspective and what they think and hopefully through that get a deeper understanding so yeah, right. I, I love this marcy it's a great pick so i want to hear more about it yeah, of course, of course. And yeah, before I guess we dive into the plot summary, let's talk about Raika Aoki herself as an author. Um, so this is actually from from her website. It's, it's a bio of herself. So <clears throat> it reads, Raika Aoki is the author of Seasonal Velocities, Hemele a Hilo, a Hilo song, and Why Dust Shall Never Settle Upon This Soul. She has been honored by the California State Senate for her extraordinary commitment to free speech and artistic expression, as well as the visibility and well-being of transgender people. Rika was the inaugural performer for the first ever transgender stage at San Francisco Pride and has performed in venues including the San Francisco Pride Main Stage, the Columbus National Gay and Lesbian Theater Festival, the National Queer Arts Festival, and Lady Fest South. Rika also appears in the recent documentaries Diagnosing Difference and Riot Acts. She has an MFA in creative writing from the Cornell University and is the recipient mm. of a university mm-hmm. and is the recipient of a university award from the Academy of American Poets. She is a professor of English at Santa Monica College. 
Rika is a former national judo champion and the founder of the International Transgender Martial Arts Alliance. She teaches an inclusive system of self-defense and martial arts to at-risk youth at the LA LGBT Center and has presented self-defense seminars at conferences and special events throughout Southern California. For her work with youth, Rika was named an outstanding volunteer by the LGBT Center's Children, Youth, and Family Services, which is her favorite award ever. In addition to being a professor of English at Santa Monica College, she's also a half-decent pianist and is starting to learn to play the violin. So, Rika sounds lit as hell, and low-key, maybe, I'm not going to say yes or no, but we might get the chance to talk to Rika a bit more closely, by the way. Just gonna Ooh. drop that little drop the little seed. <laughs> Let's see you know, happens. just it's kind of there. So so yeah. So that's a little bit of history on Rika. And yeah, with that, Akko, do you wanna start this plot summary and kind of get this shit going? Of course. Okay, so the story starts off with Harry, a local Hawaiian who meets a rich, strange haole. Oh, by the way, we have been practicing our Hawaiian slang. If we mess up again, the same thing with House of the Spirits. We are trying our hardest, but yes, we are. hey, feel free to correct us in the comments. We're grown. Please do. We can take it. <laughs> yes, we can. Because, um. <laughs> yeah, because this entire book is written in Hawaiian pidgin English, just, yeah, for context. Yes. Yes. So exactly. there's a lot of slang words and a lot of things that, like, kind of have their own very specific meaning. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So the story starts off with Harry, a local Hawaiian who meets a rich, strange haole, which is a foreigner, named Stephen Yates at a fishing store. And he invites him over to his house. Now, Harry is dating this woman named Nona, who's a teacher, and who often wears unmatched clothing, sometimes on purpose, sometimes not. She's exceptionally <laughs> nice. Uh, she's not what people would say is conventionally attractive in the story. And she is also very, very bad at the hula. Hula, mm. correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so she met Harry when he... Harry was actually married before. And she met him when he was dropping off his kids at school. But mm-hmm. later his wife died and they fell in love. Although there's a sense throughout the book that maybe Harry's still in love with his wife and that causes some conflict in the relationship. Yeah. Um, now, n- <laughs> yeah, maybe not some. <laughs> so, <laughs> like a, yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe a central plot point. But um, so, <laughs> so Nona is in a halal led by Noelani Choi, who apparently is as beautiful as like Aphrodite's herself as everyone is saying (laughs) and uh, this makes Nona feel ugly and out of place and mediocre although she still like really uh, respects and she doesn't have any animosity towards Noelani it's nothing like that she just Mm. you know has lower self-esteem so so Steve back to this rich man who comes out of nowhere they meet and they start fishing together Steve is also married to this woman named Lisa and she is dying of some illness that they do not tell us about it's implied, though, that they came to this island to kind of have her live the rest of her life peacefully. It seems that Steve had been intervening with medical treatment up until this point, but Lisa was finally like, I don't want to do that. I just want to die peacefully. Lisa doesn't have much of a role at the first half of the book, but mm. except for that this mystical woman keeps showing up with magical marmalade to, I, I guess, fix her life. It, the woman is unexplained, <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm like, hey, if you got marmalade and it's magical, why not bring it? Like, <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, and like I want to say in particular, she has something. I think it's pronounced. It's like it's spelled O H O L O. I think it's a holo jam. It's like a type of berry. Um, yeah, yes. this old woman brings like Lisa all this a holo jam, and like it's funny because yeah, like Lisa will be like 
talking to Steve and be like, girl, have you had this Aholo Jam, bitch? This shit is lit, girl. Like, you got to try this shit. And then, like, Steve is like, this is, like, not that, like, this is basic F. Like, what is this? So, like, it's kind of like, and then, like, he, she, and he's like, where'd you get this from? And Lisa's always like, oh, yeah, the old woman. He's like, homest. So, it's like, they, it's like, this old woman's kind of like, yeah, very much mystical, kind of like unclear if she really exists. And, like, maybe just, like, Steve can't see her or, like, Lisa's the only one that can. But, yeah, there is, like, a healing property. And, like, Lisa does sort of start to kind of get better throughout the, the first half of the book. Right. And so we're also introduced to another character named Cam. He kind of starts off as kind of a protagonist character, but sort of fades into the background as the story goes on. So he's actually a Jewish white man from the mainland, America. And his name originally was Mel Shulman, but he changed it after this famous Hawaiian singer named Israel Cam Kawiavole. And the reason is because he loved his music so much and thought it was beautiful and just a quick fun fact. If you've ever heard that Somewhere Over the Rainbow song cover that has a ukulele in the background, that's actually the singer. I'm sure that he has a, a thousand songs that are better and more appropriate, but I know that was very <laughs> popular, so right, right. that's just a point of reference. Mm-hmm. Um, so he came to Hawaii on some clearly like escapist bullshit, which his family is like... <laughs> Can you not and please come back and have a job? And you're like, oh boy, Cam, is this some once again eat, pray, love type situation or what's going on here? Oh, Cameron. Um, (laughs) Oh, Cam, Cam. So then the next character we meet is, as we mentioned earlier, No Alani Choi. And Mm -hmm. she's a hula dancer prodigy who is now known as this bad bitch hula teacher. She's very, very good at it. And it's always come natural to her, but she's never had a love and passion for it. So instead, she kind of obsesses over Christianity as a way to find that passion or fill that lack of passion in her body, her soul. I guess Mm. soul's a little deep, but kind of. And then (laughs) we have Eva. Oh, God. (laughs) Eva is a great character. So Eva... Eva comes from this line of recipe stealing <laughs> individuals. So basically her mother, Charlotte, and her father own this restaurant. And actually there's a rivalry between this restaurant and this one called Goto. Actually, it's not a rivalry because Goto is like a terrible restaurant that you only go to if you're having a bad day. But the mm-hmm. other thing is Eva's restaurant is known for take for being delicious, but all the recipes are stolen. Mm. Um, and they, Marcy, you read this book. Charlotte's mother was really she was breaking up families she was <laughs> sneaking through stuff um actually Eva was born because Charlotte she just like Charlotte was pregnant one day everyone was like wait that's not your husband's kid because she came out like, a slightly different color than the father and Charlotte oh, shit, was wait like, what okay yeah, what? yeah yeah she yeah yeah so, damn wow <laughs> didn't so everyone's wow. like hmm but yeah so Eva has continued the tradition, and she actually finds Nona's chicken, which we Nona has this famous chicken that she makes for everyone, which at the beginning just seemed like some normal chicken until Eva tastes right. it and it literally falls to the floor <laughs> in excitement <laughs> of like, what is this chicken? I need to have it, and becomes like a comic book villain, like scheming and plotting to try to steal Nona's right, like, chicken. <laughs> like has her own evil lair, like evil laugh and shit. She's like, I will get that Nona wannabe chicken if it's the last thing I do on this goddamn planet. Like she is just so OD and I live for Eva. <laughs> I'm like, girl, you better get this fucking chicken. Like, I'm so hype. Right, you're like, oh, after God. this dedication, like, you kind of right, have to. So she actually, join, she actually joins Nola's uh, halal for the sole purpose of getting this recipe. Right. Um, but she is consistently thwarted in her efforts. 
it's actually ridiculous. I we, we yeah, she Eva is a gem, my god. Um I know you're like technically not supposed to root for Eva, but I I live. Well, thank you, Aka, for that. Yeah, so now that you all sort of know who the characters are, the story honestly sort of kicks into motion one day. It's like around the beginning of the book where there's a Hula performance that um, Nona is expected to attend. And so at this performance, um, everyone was expected to wear this dress called a, forgive me if I fuck up the pronunciation, but called a Mu'u Mu'u, spelled M-U apostrophe U, M-U apostrophe U. So Nona brings the wrong color. So I think it was like everyone brought like, red and she brought blue or like vice versa something like that so basically Nona fucked up and is like hella mortified and she's with Harry at this point and so Harry's like oh girl don't worry it's fine like maybe we can like go back and get your moo moo but like Nona's like just really distressed because she just like is really self-conscious she doesn't really have a lot of self-esteem and she's just like I don't know it just doesn't really feel great about the fact that she like yet again has fucked up when she already isn't the best dancer to begin with so basically Harry decides okay you know what rather than like kind of going back to you know, your place, getting this moo moo coming back, being late, missing the performance, whatever, whatever. Let's just go to Steve Yates' house because this weird howley bitch has been trying to, like, link up. So, like, let's just, like, go together. Maybe it could be like you. So they end up kind of going towards Steve Yates' house. So at that very performance, Cam, who used to live in, like, another part of Hawaii, like, comes to this performance because basically he saw, like, a poster with Noelani on it and was like, oh, my gosh, she's so beautiful. Like, I have to see this performance. Like, oh, my God. So he, like, thirstily attends. And so while he's there, so while he's there, he meets this guy, um, he meets a guy in a band named Johnny Boy. So Johnny Boy is local to to Hawaii, um, as is everyone else in the band. So they kind of get to chatting and like you kind of you come to find out that Cam actually used to live in Hollywood back in the day. And like motherfucker played like bass and guitar and was like hella good. And then like later in the book, it kind of talks about how. Cam's kind of the sort of the classic case of someone who's like very musically gifted, but like he definitely sort of sacrificed that gift in order to like be respectable and like go to business mm. school and kind of like, you know, he they very much sort of avoided something that he knew he loved to like do what's impressive, which is kind of another reason for a lot of the tension in his family. You kind of understand that his family's sort of like very much the type to be like, girl, get a job, like music, wh- who is she, like what the fuck. So anyway. So basically, at the performance, Johnny Boy introduces Cam to his band. Um, so the members are this drummer named Carl Fernandez, um, the rhythm guitar guy, his name is Sal Milani, and then uh, another individual named Ra- Randall Dang. But Randall's actually leaving to move to the mainland. So like Johnny Boy is actually looking for someone to replace him. And he's like, oh, girl, you play bass and guitar? Okay, girl, let's do an audition. So all that shit happens like at the at the thing. And then like Mel like briefly meets Noelani, but... It, basically Johnny Boy and them are talking shit and they're like no Lonnie's like beautiful but she's like kind of uptight and like kind of high maintenance so like I don't know like, mm. so yeah so all of that happens right so pivoting so Harry and Nona are at Steve Yates's house and that's where they meet Lisa and like they kind of like get to chatting and like Steve and Lisa are like rich boots like they have property for days like literally like the bitches have hell of shit and like Harry and Nona are like okay like okay <laughs> they're like hella impressive they're like these motherfuckers are richer than a motherfucker like this is wild so they like eat malasada which is like rut like these uh, it's like a dessert it's like fried dough um and like drink guava juice and just like talk story that's like a term to just like kind of like hang out and like kiki so they're just like chilling hanging out whatever whatever and so steve at the end of the night gives nona an envelope and tells her to give that same envelope to noelani which she later does so nona gives the envelope to noelani and inside contains a hundred thousand dollars as well as a note from steve basically saying like here's a you know a bunch of money i know that your halal is really important to you let's use this money to sort of like improve your halal in some capacity and so 
this kind of leads to some tension because later Noelani is kind of going through this like I'm not I don't want to call it a phase. I don't want to reduce what it is, but she is really religious. She's she's Christian. And she basically decides that she wants to use the money from from um Steve to basically create this like like basically make a hula performance that like talks about like the birth and death of Jesus Christ. Like she kind of wants to fuse hula and Christianity together in this like huge like performance. And so that's kind of a thing that's taking place. So pivoting a little bit again. So Steve and Harry um, throughout the book kind of get closer and they start to like fish together. Um, So that's kind of like the way that they typically spend time with one another. And it's interesting because Harry and Steve are like, very much different like Steve at the beginning of the book is very much like you know he's really rich he like has this huge company back in the mainland and like you know like Akko kind of mentioned he moved to Hawaii to take care of his wife and is sort of using it as a respite from like his otherwise very busy very important life Mm. Steve is very much someone who he's like used to feeling sort of like very important and like needed like he's used to people being like oh like blah 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 blah. like we need your like input on this and so he struggles with harry because harry's very much go with the flow and it's very much and especially even when it comes to land he's like you know let the land just exist as it is like no one really owns land like you know this is just ours to share it's like they just have sort of different values um yeah steve was like but if would you give up the land if you because they're talking and Harry realizes that Steve has so much land. And then Steve goes into this sort of, well, you know, the land didn't really belong to other people before because there was uh, other invaders before, you know, the Americans came and colonized it. And then they, you know, so who would you give the land back to? And you're like, Steve, calm down. Steve, Harry was just (laughs) making a point about how you can't really own things like that. And Steve is definitely into the idea of control. And even with his wife, you kind of see, not in like an being able to control things he he likes to be able i think it gives him a sense of security yeah very very much that very that um so yeah so it's interesting so they have this like kind of interesting friendship um where they go fishing together and the funny thing is that they never really catch anything like like steve's like okay girl like where are the fish at like mm. like he's all about like results and like getting this bread getting these fish da, 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 whatever whatever but then like they go fishing and like they don't catch anything and he's just like wow like the fish are just broken in hawaii like honestly like i don't know like what the fuck is going on <laughs> and so interestingly enough one day they're fishing like at night and you know they're like chatting whatever whatever at one point uh, steve decides that he's gonna like go rogue and like really catch a fish like he's like mad determined so he ends uh, up at one point oh no. being on the boat right just i, I just cannot he ends up on the boat and he's like at the other end of it and he's like fishing. And the thing is like, it was a really high tide around this time. So like the water was just really dangerous. And like, so Harry looks over and he's like, yo, what the entire full blown fuck are you doing? Like get your ass like over to the deck. Like, please do not risk your life like this. So Steve catches a fish, but the same instant, like basically falls into the water because like there's too much water, like, you know, chaos happening. So Harry has to jump into the water and save him. And in that process, he ends up taking off his leg, which is how you find out that like, Harry has a prosthetic leg, which, like, never came up at any other point in the book. They're just like, oh, yeah, he took off his leg and, like, kept going to- towards the shore. And it's just kind of like, okay, like, that's just a fact about Harry that we now know. <laughs> like, it's, you know, like, it's like, it wasn't really, like, that deep. Like, they were just like, whatever. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so basically, that happens. It's, it's, like, this whole near-death experience. And then afterwards, it was really interesting because, like, Harry, in that moment when he saved Steve, even though his life was in danger, he kept thinking about Nona. So it sort of cemented for him, even though, like, he's in love with his late wife like Nona is very significant to him and like it's interesting because he feels kind of guilty about that like he doesn't like he's like oh like would my wife how would my wife feel if she knew that like you know I love someone else it's kind of like this interesting thing of like kind of going back to the love triangle sort of idea right it's mm. like that like 
it's like but instead of it being between three people who are alive it's like him someone who's no longer alive and then someone who's like in his life currently so it's just like this interesting like tension there and then steve later recovers harry's leg and kind of gets it cleaned and sort of buffed and everything like that but yeah but after this whole period it's interesting because even though harry loves nona like he doesn't treat her very well after this like he like like, Harry's not great at communication, so he, like, just gets really insular, doesn't really say much to her. So, like, Nona, of course, thinks that she's, like, that he's, like, upset with her or something like that. Because um, he also just kind of gets like this whenever he thinks about his wife and things like that. He just doesn't really say anything. So Nona's, like, I, like, I don't like the fact that I'm always competing between you and your wife who isn't around. You know, like, it's, like, you, like, this is just, yeah. So, like, that kind of sets up a lot of tension in their personal relationship. Yeah. Also around this time... Nona and Lisa kind of develop their own sort of friendship because the two of them confide in one another because Lisa's honestly not really doing much throughout the book. And so like when Nona's like, hey, girl, want to hang out? Lisa's like, yes, girl. Like Lisa's literally like that girl that will like respond to you immediately when you said like basically send, will send her a text friends. back before right, thirsty as shit to hang out with somebody. So Nona rolled up. <laughs> she was like, girl, yes, girl. <laughs> so they like go to beaches and shit together. So they kind of have their own sort of like in- interesting relationship between the two of them. But um, but yeah, so that's kind of that. And I guess sort of like wrapping up sort of that character piece, um, you know, everything is all well and good. You know, things are fairly simple. And then one day Steve actually goes to. So and so earlier, Akko mentioned Eva, who like has this like restaurant called Matsuoka's where they like steal shit from niggas and like don't give a fuck. So Goto's is their rival restaurant. And, <laughs> and so Steve one day goes to Goto's for lunch. And like basically after talking to this guy named Arnold, who's the owner he they finds out that like harry's actually like a master fisher and then like the bitch is like hella good at catching fish like whenever harry was like just going out to go fishing period like he always had hella fish so like steve feels like gooped and like is like oh like i've been deceived like this bitch could fish the whole time and like didn't even tell me like da 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 it's like some yoda type stuff you know yeah like, it's just like really yeah yoda's the green one right <laughs> <laughs> for those who also don't know Yes, Yoda's the yeah. new one, but in the traditional, in the first, the original three Star Wars, he's a Jedi master, but when Luke Skywalker meets him, he pretends to be this sort of ditzy, old, forgetful man, and which is a common oh. trope of, like, the the hidden master who, like, doesn't reveal that he's a master at first, so... Huh. Interesting. <laughs> well, thank you for... I did not. I literally did not. Th- I was like, oh, like, that frog, like, can use a sword. Like, I, like, didn't really know what to <laughs> think about frog. Yoda as, like, a creature. <laughs> but anyway, um... Oh, yeah. So basically... Oh, yeah. So one final thing before we pivot to talk about Cam one more time. So another interesting thing... Another important thing to uh, to mention is that Steve, throughout this entire time, has been, like, giving money to, like, everybody. So, like, the, the money that he gave to Nolani, that $100,000, like, he's been giving money to, like, everybody. So he, like, gave it... He gave money to, like, the local zoo, to, like, this, like, local performing arts center, like, all these different people. Sort of, like, in this act of philanthropy, which is interesting because... It's, like, it kind of definitely goes along with Steve's sense of, like, oh, like, I need to be important, I need to be needed, people need to, like, you know, like, I need to have influence over other people. Um, But it's interesting because, like, around this time, you also start to see that a lot of those donations don't necessarily go in the way as planned. Like, they actually kind of lead to more discord within these institutions than, like, peace. But, yeah, so... Just to kind of like wrap this up, sort of pivoting one more time to Cam. So Cam, like, you know, I mentioned like he sort of meets Johnny Boy and these other people. Um, so, so they develop this band called, forgive me, but it's, it's spelled K-U apostrophe U-I-P-O. So Ku-U-P-U, I think? Possibly yeah. Ku-U-I-P-U. Ku-U-I-P-U? Okay. Possibly. Yeah. So they develop this band called Ku-U-I-P-U. Um, which kind of starts off as like a very local sort of like low key band. Like it's like, you know, not super deep. They perform at some local venues and like there's a little bit of tension because like, you know, the girls are like, 
what is this howley like cam bitch doing here like who the fuck is this da, da, da. but even but throughout the island people start to realize that Ku'u Ipu is just like really lit and so like they kind of start to gather some more attention at one point there's someone there's like a local um, radio person that kind of like gives them the nod and like kind of gives them the opportunity to perform on the air and they get you know they, they just start to kind of blow up and become famous um, which is sort of an ascent that they weren't necessarily anticipating. Um, so that's kind of like a thing that hugely happened. And also throughout that process, Cam and Noalani develop a really close friendship because similar to how Noalani has sort of like this natural gift towards hula and dance, Cam is very similar when it comes to music. So the two of them very right. easily create performance together. Also similarly, they both have an empty like feeling of unfulfillment. Right. Like that's like a thing that like kind of, so like in a way they sort of like, are able to use one another to, to, to grow in that sense. But also, you know, in classic fashion, Johnny Boy is, like, in love with Noelani and has told no one and has communicated with this with no one. <laughs> and so, of course, it's in his feelings. He's like, oh, my God, like, Cam and Noelani is hanging out. And then, like, the girls are like, I mean, girl, like, you, like, the... Like, you went no Alani and no ass relationship. Like, how are you mad? Like, you said nothing to her. But anyway, so that's kind of like this, like its own thing. But yeah, so basically the, where this, I guess the first part ends, which is around the end of, I think, chapter like eight or nine, something around that time. Basically, no Alani created a small piece um, with Cam and she performed it for her halal. And it was very untraditional, very much included movements that people weren't necessarily used to incorporating. And... People were not feeling it. People were like, girl, what the fuck is this? Like, if we ever perform this, like, bitches are going to be, like, mad boots. Because, like, hula in this in this time, in this context, like, very much sort of exists to be judged. And, like, very much kind of has to follow a traditional trajectory in order to really sort of be respected. And so people were like, girl, this is not it. Like, bitch, what the fuck is this? Right. Some of them were like, did you get the steps wrong? Did you guys just mess up? The hula. They were like, girl, were those mistakes? Like, uh, that was kind of ashy, but like, uh. so basically, like, Noelani, like, Loki goes rogue and is like, yo, whatever, like, I'm gonna make my own piece. Like, I'm gonna, like, I'm leaving the halal, but like, if anyone's inspired by my vision, like, y'all can come join me. So, some people do join her, and those people include Violet, Francis, Nona, fucking Eva, the thirsty one for, who wants the chicken, and then this guy named Irvin. Um, and so they, they kind of go separate to create their own separate piece, and this, like, local gay man named Ignacio sort of oversees what Noelani's halal, I guess, was doing. So there's like this split in the halal and like that that whole thing. So yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, honestly, yeah. the book sort of reads as like, it, it almost feels more like, I guess, slice of life than it does like, you know, oh, like there's a huge demon that's coming to Hawaii. It's just like, <laughs> oh no, there's actually no demon coming to Hawaii. It's just like people kind of learning how to live with one another. There's like some new, there's like a lot of locals here, but also some like, you know, more foreigners here. And like, it's like kind of that adjustment of figuring out like how to, I guess, like coexist. Um, and yeah, yeah could just kind of explore some of the complexities behind life on, on this island. There's not everything is all, you know, like simplicity and guava juice and like, we're just hanging out. It's just like, there's a lot of like deep kind of, experiences that people were kind of going through like i mean even at one point um I, I i didn't say this initially but right after harry's whole situation where he had to save steve um nona was so upset that like harry wasn't like really communicating with her that she like attempted suicide low-key like she was like driving home and like just like put her like car and like max acceleration and like closed her eyes and the only thing that like stopped her was like she smelled the chicken in the back seat that she had with her this fucking chicken that like just keeps being a thing <laughs> like like but, like she woke she kind of like got out of i guess the trance that she was in and was like okay let me not do this like this is like this is 
Yeah. Mm. No, I was just going to say it's definitely a character study type of book and less yeah. plot driven. So we're mm-hmm. more following these characters and how they development as opposed to like, as you said, like a flying dragon coming out of the sky or anything. Not that there's right. nothing wrong <laughs> with dragons. Exactly. I mean, no, I mean, no shades to dragons. Always we love some dragons. <laughs> but, you know, it's just dragons are not not in this book. <laughs> I mean, we're still finishing it, but like to, right now there are no dragons about to fuck shit up <laughs> in Hilo. But um, anywho, yeah, so let's take a break and yeah, we can jump into the next part and kind of get into our feelings and thoughts around the book. All right, and we're back. So now we're going to jump into the discussion portion. Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so I, um, I guess when I was reading this book, something that really stuck out to me was how the author does a really good job of showing sort of the beat and tempo of Hawaii. Mm. I think she speaks to the way people are as the undertone to how they live. And it doesn't mean that nothing, which is sort of this laid back kind of surfer vibes, which doesn't mean that nothing's wrong, right? We, we talked about Nona and, and Harry and their sort of issues along with Lisa mm-hmm. and Cam and Johnny Boy's quote unquote issue. And I think she's mostly showing the <laughs> shade, but I definitely peep that. But anyway, um. <laughs> but I, I, she does a really good job of showing the, the the tempo, you know. And I think every place has a tempo, mm. and that tempo can work to its benefit and its um, detriment. Uh, I think that's true about America, about Africa, about um, African, and and anywhere really. Mm-hmm. And so I really liked how that was conveyed to us because I think that's. A hard thing to convey, to be honest with you. I think one of the tropes she uses to do that is mixing together pidgin English, Hawaiian, and formal English. Mm-hmm. So she uses words like muka muka, which means rich, and haloi, which means oh, foreigner. Mean? And, oh, Howley, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Howley, which means <laughs> foreigner. I'm doing my I'm using phonetics and then like, whoops, no, that's wrong. <laughs> and then um I love how she this term duck duck soup, which means it's easy. And and I mean, Marcy, I feel like we talked about this while we were reading, mm. but at first you're like, wait, what? Am I reading this wrong? And then after page like fifteen, you're like, No, no, I get it. This is just a, you know, it's just a different um syntax. Yes, it's just a different syntax. So once you get the syntax, it's it's not hard to pick up the rest of the story. Right. Um, I think you just have to be open open to understanding and kind of. I do think it's a mental exercise and just being like, which it, it, it might be easier for people who have to code switch in the first place mm. of being like, oh, this is the rules of this language. Cool, switch, and then it makes sense and it's wow. a fairly easy and quite beautiful read. Yeah, that is so. That is so. <laughs> that is so. Oh my! I literally did not even think about that because yeah, like. When I first started reading the book, I was I legit was like I like I'm I'm am I missing something? Like I was like I'm not like what is happening? But yeah, like it was like the adjustment was like once I realized, oh, like this is just like the style of this book. It was like, oh, okay, cool. And then like yeah, like literally like 5 right. pages later, right, I was like right, fine. Right. But yeah, it's interesting because like yeah, I never thought about how like you know, as someone who's who's used to sort of like speaking differently and kind of like changing cuz like any sort mm. of particular way that you have like you know like any sort of i guess like dialect or um like slang whatever like every like language always has rules right so regardless of how like if it's categorized as like proper quote unquote or not which obviously has a lot of racial undertones to it like there's <laughs> Boy, howdy. like every yeah like, every language has rules and as social beings like for a lot of us it's just like okay you just have to sort of like adjust and learn and then once you kind of understand the patterns it's just like it just makes sense if anything it's like you kind of just start to like you yeah it just it 
Yeah, I don't know. It's funny because there's like there's a glossary. Makes sense. There's a glossary in the back of the book, which was definitely very helpful at the very beginning. But honestly, now I feel like I, I don't really use it as much because um, half the time, like you can just use context clues and be like, okay, like that's just like yep. what that means. You know what I mean? Like it's like you, you don't have to like like you know the first time they say muka muka, I was like, okay, I don't, like what? But then like when they say it again, you're like, okay, like I get it. You're like you're talking about Steve. Steve is rich as fuck. Okay, cool. I can assume that it means like something like this, right? Yes, I agree. And that, I think that's that's exactly what it is. You just use context clues. And that might be a testament to Ms. Reiko's writing as well. Um, so I don't want to say like, oh, we're just so good. Right, we're just so <laughs> just smart. Um, but I, I do think there's, there's you know, an underlying sort of collective marginalized aspect of it, of just that code switching nature, which does make things a little easier. But who knows? Mm. Um, and then another thing I really liked that she did was her descriptions of people were mentioned the first time when they were relevant. So, for instance, as we were saying earlier with Harry, we had no idea that Harry was missing a leg or had a prosthetic until he needed to take it off to swim. Mm. I was like, when he was like, oh, my leg is weighing me down. I was like, what? what? <laughs> and he like just took it off. I was like, Harry, you can't just take off your legs. Like, you can't just take off your legs. What's happening? And I was like, oh, it must be, it must be a prosthetic leg. And then um, Ignacio is gay, but we don't know that until it becomes in conflict when Noelani becomes <clears throat> a little um, self-righteous and um, just straight up ist whatever ist homophobic also a little racist or ethnic what's it racist. Mm. We'll wait, uh, wait elaborate this. on that what, what, what do you mean when she when she when Olani, like oh right so halfway through her once she gets the money from steve yates and she's um making her christian hula it becomes this whole conversation about who can and can't be jesus in her christian storytelling mm-hmm. but everyone's like wait none of us look like jesus because we're from hawaii and Jesus from the Middle East, and but so she was fine with some people being playing characters, but Ignacio's gay, so she was like, "No, that that can't happen. He can't be Jesus." But then everyone's like, "Wait, but Irvin's from Japan. I, I, this is really confusing." Right. It's like, and then like Cam's Jewish, and that was a big ordeal for her. But everyone's like, "But what's his name's Buddhist?" Like, and she was like, "I guess that's fine." It it definitely had a. Mm. I, I think there was an interesting conversation about Noelani's kind of superficial understanding of the Christianity that she follows, mm-hmm. because I think she's definitely taking in all of the Western tropes of Christianity, sort of the the, the stereotype that you know Jewish people killed Jesus, some nonsense that comes from medieval Europe mm-hmm. that actually has nothing to do with the text, but everything to do with historical European anti-Semitism. But that's not the conversation of this book. It's we'll right now. This. But I just wanted to give you guys some context. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Sorry, I was a history major, so sometimes I just do a deep dive. Um, but yeah, so I like how she only she only, she discusses things as they become necessary, and it's almost it makes you have to examine your what you make a default. So, for instance, Steve Yates is black mm-hmm. or Popolo, and. I actually put in my notes as I was reading, Steve Yates is black? Exclamation right. point, question mark, exclamation right. point. <laughs> and, but, um, yeah. And, and, the, and the, the part that gagged me, so what I love about this, right, is that, like, I think Rika Aoki does an, like, a great job of sort of, like, checking assumptions, right? Like, it's like, it's like, it's like oh, I just mm. assumed that Harry didn't have a prosthetic leg. Not because, like, only because, like, you know, I guess according to dominant narratives or whatever, like, sure, like, he, of course, doesn't, like, you know, it's like, but, like, there's no reason why he, like, 
couldn't have one, right? It's like it's like there's no reason that Steve right. couldn't be black. It's just like I think I think when you do that, it allows you to really just like realize as a reader, oh wow, like when people say certain when people have certain characteristics, like I do sort of have like a picture in my mind of like what kind of person would occupy this characteristic versus another one. And so I love that like she kind of switches things on their head. What I thought was really interesting about Steve though, it's like no like more than just like being like, you know, super duper wealthy and all of that, just like his feeling of like entitlement and like kind of almost ownership and like mm. being like, oh yes, girl, like this land is mine and blah, 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 blah. Like his like his like deep investment in capitalism and like his entitlement, that's what made me think he was white much more than like how much money he had. And to be fair, to be fair, Howley is not a term for black people. Right. They have a whole different word for that. So there's this whole moment where Steve's like, stop calling me a Howley. I'm I'm black. And you're like, wait, is Howley not a word for a general word for foreigner? Mm-hmm. Or is it that foreigners are usually white? Like it's a complex question of what that, that what that means. And kind of it makes maybe this is too much of a deep dive, but if you think about American um colonialism or influence in different places, right? It, you have the Western narrative, but you also have minorities in America going to other places mm-hmm. with more power than you would think, right? So Steve Yates is a foreigner, mm-hmm. but he's also black, which has a- another quality to it. Mm-hmm. But he still has the power of the colonizer. I, I feel like we both experienced this abroad, kind of mm-hmm. you're mi- you're a minority, but you're the Americanness gives you a privilege. Right. So it's 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 I like that she discussed it because it was very interesting. It's not something that we talk about very often but um yeah so i I really like the way she 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 just queers the narrative in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. she makes things complex she doesn't make it easy and i I like that right and i just yeah and it's like it's also just i don't know it's kind of funny because i'm just like you know you just find out random things about people and you're like wow huh okay well cool moving on like it's just like it's very just simple <laughs> it's just kind of like okay and and we continue and it was yes. funny because after yes. they were like oh yeah like steve's black and then like it was like in the next passage there was like something going on with it was like oh it was like <laughs> oh there was like this whole scene with eva which girl we, we gonna talk about but basically like lisa was described like cooking something and they're like oh yeah like the popola blah, blah blah and i'm like okay so lisa's been black this whole time and like no one right <laughs> no one got the need to tell us <laughs> it's like what well, steve was black and lisa was also just also black and i was just like what <laughs> it's just it's like everyone knew but harry like i was like what is happening how does steve how does harry not know like, and even nona was like yeah girl like them bitches aren't howling like i was always confused when you call them that and i'm right. just like okay so like were y'all all in like what the fuck like i'm just like it's like me like me and harry were just in the dark and like everyone else just was like oh yeah like they're black like right, whatever. right. Like, it's, like, it's fine like so i don't know it's just, everyone it's, pulled the highest on us i think that's i don't know things like that i just i, I love that so much and it also and and it really because something really interesting about this book too is that it does sort of in some more subtle ways kind of talks about yeah like this like legacy of like colonialism and imperialism and love like you know because even the the idea of steve coming to hawaii right and being like oh like i'm just gonna settle down here i'm gonna like have land here i'm gonna like just like give money to all these different causes and like you know like it's it's funny because there's a lot of tension I, I, I'm, I'm forgetting who specifically talks about this, but, like, one of the local characters definitely mentions how, like, you know, oftentimes, like, Howleys will just roll up and think they know something. Like, these, like they roll in with their money mm. and, like, their bullshit, and they're just like, oh, like, we're going to fix Hawaii, or, we're like, we're going to give money here, and we're going to do this and that and the third, and da-da-da-da-da, and we're going to, like, quote-unquote fix what's going on here, and it's just kind of like, 
but like you bitches don't know anything. It's like you. It's like it's. It, and I think right, that it's interesting right. that like you know with Steve, it's like you know it seems so benevolent and great that he's like giving money to like the zoo, which literally didn't have any animals, and then all of a sudden now they can like get animals and shit. But it's like you start to see that like, mm, but you actually didn't really talk to people about what they actually needed. You just decided what they needed, and then all of now when things mm. don't go well, you're just kind of like, oh well, what <laughs> you know? Like, I, and, and the right. fact that he's also black definitely kind of it, it does complicate that narrative right because it's like it's like that racial piece yeah. isn't necessarily like in according to sort of a dominant narrative of like who gets to be a savior and things like that like you know there's like black people aren't really included in that right it's like black people were typically seen on right. sort of the receiving end of that and so it's just like it's interesting to have this black american who has experienced racism being in this place acting kind of whitely and like it, yeah, like just having this like tension is like I just I think that tension is really interesting because it's like it's like yes they accept people like Steve and Lisa and Cam, but at the same time it's like we can't ignore why they're there, right? Like Cam's always talking about like how he's like escaping from something or like you know how he he needed to like find himself in Hawaii. And it's like okay, girl, like that's cute that you get to go, you get to find yourself in Hawaii, but like. It, like is the inverse true do people just get to like leave hawaii right, and just like you know right. find themselves in america like, you know what i mean like it's just like it's not <laughs> i just think it's it's it yeah it's it's really fascinating that that tension there yeah i agree there's definitely this level of paternalism on steve's part mm. the sort of you know we call it a white savior complex and and i think it comes or american savior complex in this case and i it, it's definitely there in the story and i i think there's a level of when examining his character of hoping he can control things in a world where you can't control anything. Right. Um, so there's, it speaks to this like level of fear people have of the unknown or things being out of their control, which we probably all need to examine, mm-hmm. but his ability to, and I think we have to remember, right. Hawaii is part of America, but its history is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and arguably people, uh, many people would disagree even with the statement I just made, you know? Um, so race looks different. Race becomes a different, takes a different role in Hawaii because if you, there are no black slaves <laughs> mm. in Hawaiian history, right? But there is this colonialism with Japan and the locals and sugar plantations and white Americans if you want to, I, I would go into the, the history of Hawaii, but I'm unqualified. And also, no one wants to do history with Akko. So maybe that's another <laughs> segment. <laughs> I mean, history with Akko could be like a bob. Like, <laughs> I would live. Like, because I honestly, I like, I learned so much from these like historical deep dives. Like, if I'm just being totally honest with you. But yeah, sorry, continue. <laughs> no, no, no problem. So, but I actually think it's interesting because No Olani also kind of thinks about this or struggles with this when she's doing her hula. She's doing the traditional versus the evolution of Hawaii. And that's when you sort of get this conversation where she asks if Hawaii can change and evolve and still be Hawaiian. And she struggles with that with the hula. And so she's saying, can I dance a different type of hula and still consider it to be correct Mm. and true to form? And I thought that was a, a very good question. And I think they also asked that question about religion in this book, which I think is very cool. Mm-hmm. And they kind of have to contend with it. I don't know if in part one they find an answer. So maybe we'll see in part two. Huh. Yeah, that is really interesting. Because, yeah, it's like, I mean, I'm I'm very much of the mind that, like, you know, 
any place is going to sort of evolve and just grow to look differently. So to sort of like fervently hold on to what something used to be doesn't, I mean, I mean, yeah, it, it is, yeah, it is complicated because it's like, you know, you don't want to ignore the roots of this form of dance, but at the same time, like if it is kind of, if like these other elements are being brought in or like different people are doing this, like, they also kind of influence it. Like, how? I guess, how do you keep both going at the same time? And yeah, like you said, like, there's no way to yeah. really, like, answer it. At least now, maybe, like, we'll just, like, at the end be like, wow, we, like, solved the tension between, like, <laughs> like <laughs> tradition and, like, you know, I guess evolution. Like, you know, like... Look at that. Look at God. Um, or whoever, right? So, yeah. I wanted to add just one more point, too. I find this to be true a lot right now in the post-colonial world that we live in and the post-World War II for a lot of countries that were colonized so you see this a lot in south america and africa and and hawaii as well there's this whole point in life where people came and i guess uh, put a paternalistic narrative down on people and people at people almost cling on to tradition with this kind of nostalgia Mm. and hope and and kind of in opposition right And and a very real and legitimate opposition but then you get to the point now where you have to ask yourself, okay, this history isn't going to go away. This happened. Right. And what are we with this history in toll? What are we with this combined into our culture? And how do we make that culture ours again? Or how do we bring this into the, bring this almost like a restorative justice kind mm. of thing? How do we make this part of ourselves? And it's, I don't think any. <laughs> place has completely found the answer maybe there isn't an answer but i i know it spoke to me on that level Mm, mm. yeah that is mm. Hmm. that is interesting that's really interesting yeah maybe and funny enough i mean to sort of circle back a little bit i mean harry and steve when they were like fishing a bunch like harry's always talking about like oh like you know just the process of fishing in itself is really beautiful right like you get to like just like mm. listen to sort of the water and like just like be in touch with nature and sort of like just understand what's going on around you and so kind of in a similar way perhaps like this process of figuring that out like perhaps it's like the process in itself that's what's Ooh. most interesting Ooh. or like important rather than Marcy. like finding a definitive answer of like oh like this is how we like you know like it's like like let's just like let's let's ask these questions let's Ooh. explore these ideas maybe that's the answer right huh Look at Marcy with his words. <laughs> he just came in with the explanation. It's <laughs> really interesting. Wow, that's like super, super fascinating. So on like a slightly less deep piece, <laughs> I need to, okay, we need to talk about Eva because like Eva is just like, honestly, the real MVP and like I live, like I know she's like evil <laughs> slick, but like, I just, I don't know. Like, so, <laughs> so basically. What were you saying? You, you were saying that you definitely made like a, a Team Rocket reference that I think is perfect. Oh, yeah, like, Eva is definitely serving you, like, Team Rocket tees. Like, she's very much giving you Jesse and James. Like, she's, but she's, like, all of them. Like, and Meowth. Like, she's all them bitches in one person. <laughs> like, she is, like, well, actually, she has, like, a nephew named Roland Um, that's kind of, like, an accomplice of hers. Like, yeah. Intimate. So, yeah, they literally are, like, Jesse and James, low-key. Um, <laughs> I would actually, like, love to talk to <laughs> Rika about that ass. Like, so, like, was this, like, inspired by, like, Jesse and James? She'll be like, what the, <laughs> literally, what the fuck? But, um... So basically, so what I love about Eva is that, right, so, like, she, Eva, like, like, Eva has a job. Like, she, like, works at Matsuoka. She, like, oversees yes. all of this. And she's, like, you know, mind you, using other bitches' recipes as we speak to, like, sell and, like, make profits and shit <laughs> like that. But, like, something about knowing this chick is she's, like, I'm going to get this goddamn chicken. And I'm, like, no, like, 
Eva, you have a whole business. Like you're fine. Like like there are other food. Like th- you're business. fine. Like you're not like like Gotos is described as being like oh like like when Masuokas is like full, then bitches go to Gotos. Like Masuokas is just objectively better. So I'm just like the mm. fact that you're like trying to pummel these bitches into the ground. It's just like one just like kind of egregious and like sort of unnecessary. But it's just like girl, you're like joining a whole <laughs> halal. And then like at one point, oh my god, this was such I could not. There was a scene where this happened around the end of part one, but basically. Eva, like, did, literally did, like, you know, one of her evil schemes where she was like, okay, bet. Here's what's going to happen. She, like, walks up to Roland one it's day. so elaborate. She's like, she's like, okay, so Roland, <laughs> basically, what we're going to say is we have a, we, like, she's like, tomorrow I'm going to need you to fake like you're sick. Like, you're going to be sick tomorrow. And he's like, oh, like, I'm not sick. And she's like, you're going to be sick tomorrow? And he's like, okay, oh, that, that wasn't, a, <laughs> like, a question. That's, like, a you will, this is a thing that will be taking place. So she was like, you're going to be sick tomorrow. I'm going to invite, like, Nona and... Basically, yeah, just Nona over. She and like basically say that like, oh, we need to cater this event, but Roland's sick, da da da. Would you mind helping me? Whatever, whatever. Um, we'll be cooking together, and then Nona will make her lit ass chicken. I'll watch her make the chicken, and then I'll just like document everything, and it'll be perfect. So like, because earlier in the book, she asked Nona for her recipe and was like, oh, girl, can you give me the like chicken recipe? And Nona was like, oh yeah. She was like, wow, that was so easy. And then she like <laughs> tried it, and then like Nona had left hella shit out because she just forgot. Not because she was trying to goop Eva, but she literally just forgot. <laughs> like honestly, I don't think Nona left anything out i think i don't think it's like i it's probably like the secret ingredient is love type thing mm. i i really don't think nona is, is crafty i think <laughs> it's just magical chicken right so basically so 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 like nona comes over the next day right because like basically eva's like oh my god roland's sick can you help me blah 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 and then nona's like oh yeah girl i got you whatever whatever nona rolls in with like i think it was like lisa and then like violet and like some other people mm. it was like about four or five people and so, like, the scene basically describes how, like, Eva's, like, they're, <laughs> like, they're all cooking, like, like vegetables and shit. And Eva's, like, oh, so, uh, so, Nana, are you going to, like, start making that chicken? And then Nana's, like, oh, yeah, girl, like, I got you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> then, like, five, ten minutes goes by. And then Eva again's, like, so, um, Nana, uh, that chicken. And she's just, like, girl, I got you. Like, don't worry. You know, we're just, like, doing the vegetables first. Whatever. Whatever. Nona not suspecting a goddamn thing. She's just, like, in the abyss. Like, doesn't get, like, not suspecting anything. And so, like. Eva is just, like, looking at her like a hawk. She's like, I must watch her make that goddamn chicken. And so then, like, <laughs> two hours pass where, like, everyone's, like, kikiing and, like, laughing. And Eva's, like, not saying a word. She's literally just, like, looking at Nona and, like, getting, like, trying to get this, like, chicken recipe. And then all of a sudden, Lisa's, like, like Nona looks over at Lisa and she's like, oh, yeah, Lisa, I think you can, like, put the chicken in the oven now. And then, like, Eva's like, what? <laughs> so, like, they basically were, like, Eva was so focused on Nona that she did not notice Lisa literally making the chicken that per Nona's recipe <laughs> and, like, putting it in the oven. And she was just like. No! <laughs> like no. she was like she was like no. So she's like screaming. And so basically she was like okay, maybe it was Lisa's recipe for the chicken whatever whatever maybe I didn't lose like maybe Nona's going to slick make the chicken later like whatever whatever. They put that shit in the oven. They take that shit out. She takes a bite and she's like, God damn, this was Eva's, this was <laughs> Nona's motherfucking chicken and a bitch just didn't see it happen. And so it's just like ridiculous. And like it was actually interesting because after that like, they ended up taking all this food that they had made, and they ended up just, like, selling it out of the restaurant. And it was funny because, like, Nona and them were super nice. Like, they, like, didn't use any of her ingredients. They cleaned up everything once they were done. Like, they were, like, really just truly were, like, oh, we're going to make this food for you because, like, we care about you. You're in the halal. You're part of this family. We're going to, like, you know, like, be there for you. And I think while it's described mm-hmm. as kind of, like, a funny scene of, like, Eva being, like, god damn, she was also just, like, kind of moved that, like, everyone was so nice. And she was, like, what is this kindness 
that's happening because I think she's like Eva very much like, grows what up. What are these feelings? She's in this like Eva has been in this hyper competitive girl. You gonna do what you gotta do. You will you will sleep with yeah. niggas. You will ruin families. You will fuck everything up. You will join a halal and learn the hula to get anything that like you like you will do stop at nothing to get this recipe. And so when she was like, oh wow, like people are actually just nice and like I'm over here plotting and scheming and they're like just actually making this food that they super didn't have to make. I actually easily could have made this myself, but like, they just like want it to be there for me. Like, that's like, I don't know. It's like, Eva's just like yeah. so ridiculous. But I also just think that like, I don't know. I, I do think that she will have a change of heart. Like, I think she's going to get like inches away from getting known as chicken and then like decide, actually, you know what? Let me not, let me like stop this chain of bad behavior that's been right. perpetrated ever since like, you know, my mom was around. Right. So, mm. and I think Eva, while kind of like a comic relief sort of person is like, I don't know. I think that she's really going to like come into play later and like kind of be like better, hopefully. Mm. Um, Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So it, 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 it's, it's interesting. But, um, but I, don't know, I also think that Nona's Chicken is just really interesting because it's like, like, I'm just wondering, like, what, why is it so significant? Like, it literally saves her from like a suicide attempt and like, you know, Eva's over here joining Halal's and shit, like buying like a moo moo and shit, trying to like get this. Like, she's like, like, everyone's like, <laughs> Harry's always talking about the goddamn chicken. Like, everyone's like pining over this chicken. I'm like, is this chicken like, is it really chicken or is it like the chicken of a like, metaphor. like a different galaxy? Like, it's just like, I'm like, is this symbolic? Like, I'm but like, is this like real chicken? From another dimension? <laughs> like, it's like fourth dimension chicken. Like, I cannot. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck is going on? fourth dimension chicken. Right. <laughs> You know, but there's also, there's a theme of, like, food as healing or food as a sort of magical quality. Because mm. that's also the same thing with this marmalade from this lady. Mm. And you're kind of like, oh, interesting. What What's all this about? Maybe there's just this underlying sense that food and community are actually healing properties. Mm. Or maybe it's fourth dimensional chicken. Right. Like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> like Nona's chicken is just of the future. Like she like just came back from like the year 5000 <laughs> AD. It was like, girl, <laughs> y'all ain't gonna believe this shit. So like Nona's actually a robot low key. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> I guess like while we're in this vein, we I guess should probably go into our predictions really quickly. But but b- before doing that super duper quickly, I did want to talk really briefly about Cam. Because like the fact that Cam changed his name from Mel to... Kamikawi Vole like I'm like that's one just like so extra like my nigga are you serious like that's like so much but it's also really funny because it actually it's also someone else's name right it's like, also like, someone else's name like, <laughs> like, like you can you do that what? girl like it's just like that's like appropriation on the deepest level like girl like this is like so and it was funny because like Cam is described as feeling embarrassed about it like when Johnny's like oh what's your name like he was gonna be like oh like Kamikawi and he was like just call me Cam. Like, and just like, didn't really go into details, but like Johnny boy later <laughs> finds out and clowns the shit out of this bitch. And it's like, wow, like you really tried that hard to be Hawaiian girl. Like it's like, Oh D. But it's funny because like that actually reminds me very specifically of this man. I once met funny enough, his name was song. So very much in theme with the book and everything. Um, so back in college, I like during winter break, my senior year, I like did like, have you heard of like, um, that program? It's called Woofing. It's like W W O O F where you like, work on farms in like different yes. places in exchange for like room and board. People kind of use it as a way to travel and shit like that. So me and a couple of friends um, used, like did, we like we woofed in like Gainesville, Florida, which is like the least exciting place where you could ever do some shit like that. And it was funny because I, like our host was this guy named Song and like his daughter, he was like, oh, like call her. Like I was, he was like, oh, like her name's Coco, blah, blah. Coco's like a smooth, like one year of age. Um, and, like, I was just, like, oh, like, Coco's such an interesting name. It was, like, maybe the second or third, third day. Um, I was, like, oh, like, this, like, Coco's a really interesting name. I'm kind of curious why you named her that. 
and he was like, oh, well, I'm actually named her after this Native American deity called Cocapelli. Um, I just thought that that deity really spoke to me. So I just decided to like, so her full name's actually Cocapelli, but we just call her Coco. And I was like, this, is this like a thing that white people do? Like, is this, like, this is a thing, like, y'all do this? Like, I just, I don't know. I just think it's really, I don't know, that idea of like, you're going to a place to like, inevitably sort of like benefit off of like other people and like you like desperately want to try to like take on their culture but to the point where it's like you're kind of just like stealing it's like it's like theft is just like huge like a huge theme in this tale which i just mm. think is really interesting um but yeah but song was also and just you know, oh sorry no i was just gonna say that's actually a great point and it, it always seems like the theft is sort of to fill a void right. that the person has so eva is kind of stealing this chicken because even though she makes all this food, she clearly is trying to get something. And you can even argue that Noelani is kind of taking on this odd sort of oppressive Christianity kind of like as a way to fill a void and, and Cam's taking on this as a way. So mm. it's it's interesting that you... S- it's actually oh, at this moment having like a deeper understanding of what appropriation is and why people do it. And it, it most likely comes from some insecurity and I didn't give that humanity to people who appropriate. Not that they, I mean, obviously people, some people are just being high key irresponsible (laughs) and racist, but I, I I think there is an underlying sense of insecurity and, it's interesting. Now, now I'm gonna have to think about it. Great, great, Marcy. Thanks. Oh, of course. Yeah, you know, <laughs> girl, I got you. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's really cool. That's deep. Really interesting. Yeah, but also just to sort of tie that up, um, song ended up being weird as fuck, and like that whole trip was just like a hot ass <laughs> mess, girl. Like we, like he had us sleeping on this like school bus that he had in like his backyard, and like we, like it, of course, that and he had sense. us like basically building these like clay houses, and like I remember on like the like last day i was just kind of like oh like song like what was like the like what's i'm kind of curious like what are these clay houses for me with my inquisitive ass asking questions that i don't really low-key want to know the answer to and he was like oh yeah you know i just want to like <laughs> build this community where we just like kind of live off the land and like you know folks kind of just like follow like you know we all just sort of like lived with one another but i kind of am like a leader in like a way you know like it's like we're just all like together but like you know we're just like i just kind of lead and i'm just like it sounds like a i'm like are cult? you I'm like, I'm like, is this like, are you, are, are you, are you trying to build a, a cult? And he was like, oh, no, 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 no. It's not like a cult. It's just like a place where like, there's like a community where we all like live together and like, but I'm like low-key a leader and I'm just like, God. And so I'm just like, I might've played a role in building a cult. Oh my I just God. Came out. I was like, wow. Like, so, you know, when death comes and like, you know, they're looking through my Rolodex and they're just like, wow, Marcy's history is really kind of complicated here. Like, was this bitch good? We don't really know. Like, I mean, he helped make a call. Like, you know what I mean? like it's just like, oh, anyway. That's wild. It was, yeah, Akko, it was like wild boots. It's like, he's like, oh, no, it's it's not a call. That's, that's honest. it's just a casual call. Like, it's like a super cold. Like, I'm like, this is like, wow. wow. Um. <laughs> Anyway, so I was like, well, my bus leaves tomorrow, so if I survive through the night, I should be fine. Um, very odd trip. I don't think I've really told much of anyone. Any, most people I have not told about that because I was like, egad, and now I'm telling everyone on the internet. So, yeah. But anywho, but let's jump into our predictions, and then we can kind of wrap up because this episode is long as hell. That's true. So, sh- let me tell you what I think is going to happen yes. because I feel like... And this is this might be a hot take. Mm-hmm. I think Nona's gonna leave Harry. Mm. I think she's gonna say, you know what, Harry, this is too much for me. You're in love with your dead wife, which is fair. 
everyone needs time to mourn, but I got to move on. Yeah. You know? And you know what, Nona? I feel that, and I agree with you. Yeah. I, now, this one, mm, I, well, I think I can't bear with me that no, Noelani will transcend human form and become, like, the new spirit of Hula. Yes. You know? like, Thank God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you know how, like, the Little Mermaid turns into Sifo? Right. Like that, but more optimistic. <laughs> um, so... And it's just because at the end she starts to kind of oh and we sh- maybe we should have mentioned this but she also gives the money away she gives the money that Steve gave her to each person who joins her and says to give the money mm. to whoever she whoever they think needs it so I think there's some revolutionary aspects to Nola- Noelani I don't know maybe she won't transcend into the day, you know it's not like the Avatar where I kind of like transcending human form personally. If, Right, like it's a it's a move. It's you know anyway. But I'm um, also think that. <laughs> can you imagine being described? Oh, transcendence! It's a move. Right, it's like um, a vibe. Like anyway. like on Instagram, he's like current mood, and he's like you transcending human form, and everyone's like, bitch, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, I also think that Kui Poo. Um, Watch that be what actually happens. And then Rek is like, oh, Akko, nice. Like, way to just really see into what I was doing there. It's like, I see um, you, Rekka, I see you. But in any case, so um, I think Kuu Ipu isn't going to go anywhere. I think they'll get a few memorable songs and that's going to be it. Mm. I feel like Cam, maybe Cam will learn something. I, I don't know what, like but I'm sure he'll learn like- a thing. Um <laughs> I think Lisa will recover from her illness and that will somehow like devastate Steve since he, I feel like he needs her to be sick Mm. as kind of part of his his thing. So I think that's going to happen. And then lastly, I think Eva's going to learn the true meaning of friendship and her wild pursuit of these recipes will come to an end. Or at least it might be like, you know how sometimes in Pokemon with uh, Team Rocket, they would like learn a lesson one episode and be like, yeah, I guess we've grown because of this. And the next episode, (laughs) they're just back to their old antics. It might be like that. But I think she will, you know, see the other side of being friendly and friendship. Mm. Well, hopefully, yeah, it's like more long lasting or maybe, yeah, it's just like, for this season, and then someone else comes up with chicken, and she's like, "Well, that bitch isn't known up, so clearly I've learned nothing." <laughs> <laughs> we'll just go back to her bullshit. Um, but yeah, it's sort of similar to you. I think that I do think that Nona's going to leave Harry because I think Nona, especially with this whole move to join Noelani in this hula performance, I think Noah Nona's kind of coming into herself. It's described that like you know she historically used to kind of be someone when it came to hula, she was like. Wanted to be in the background, didn't really want to be noticed, wanted to be very much like blending in with everyone else. But now she's kind of finding her voice. And so I think Hula is going to be a way to show her, oh, like you can actually have your own voice and you don't have to like mm. wait for Harry. There's actually, funny enough, there's actually a quote um, where, so it reads, Harry would be nice to her, but she felt that she was getting leftover love. And although that seemed far better than what she could have without him, it didn't make her feel beautiful. So Things like that, I think, like, she's starting to realize, like, okay, this is actually not ideal. And, yes, while I love Harry as a person, like, are we compatible as, like, partners in a romantic relationship? Perhaps not. So, yeah. So, I think, I think that's going to happen. I do think Cam and Johnny Boy are probably going to fall out over N- Nolani because heteronormativity. Um, Ooh. I do. I agree. I think Eva's going to have, you know, a little change of heart. I think she's going to, like, I think it's going to be one of those, like, classic situations where it's, like, you know, 
like Team Rocket finally catches Pikachu, but then they're like, oh wait, like <laughs> the journey of trying to steal Pikachu was what was it kind of gave us purpose. And now that we've like it's like it's like Team Rocket can never catch Pikachu because if they did, then like what what's right. who's Team Rocket anymore, right? So I think Eva's gonna be like not that not in the sense that Eva's Eva's always gonna be trying to get this chicken, but I think Eva's gonna realize <laughs> that like I don't know, like I think she's gonna realize that like Yes, this journey of stealing the chicken has like illuminated a lot for her, and I think she's going to be like, oh, but actually, the virtues of friendship and like kind of the ways in which people have treated me from this low-key nefarious plot that I had like was has shown me that like this actually isn't necessary. Like this doesn't need to be how I relate to people. Like I don't need to be known as like this like mischievous kind of you know like kind of weird like mm-hmm. kind of terrible type. But yeah, anyway, so I think. Next to that, I think Steve, low-key, I think Steve is God. Um, we, had, we didn't really go into this in a lot of detail during the plot Ooh. summary, but, like, there are a lot of, like, dream sequences in this book that are kind of interesting, and, like, Steve will just, like, visit everybody in their dreams. Like, at one point, Noelani had a dream where she was, like, eating bananas and, like, talking about patients, and, like, Steve was there. Cam once had a dream where, like, they were talking about, like, his move to Hawaii, and it was, like, low-key kind of homoerotic, but, like, again, Steve was there. It's, like, Steve just, like, visits <laughs> bitches in their dreams, and it's just kind of, like, what the fuck is this? Unclear if Steve in real life knows that dream Steve is low-key running through people's dreams, telling them stuff. He doesn't... It's not like they say anything about whether or not regular Steve knows about dream Steve. Right. So it's just like, I'm like, are they two different Steves? Is one Steve Steve and the other Steve is God? Is it going to be like... That episode of Powerpuff Girls where, like, him challenged the, the girls to that thing where they were like, <laughs> one is the real Miss Keen and the other is, like, a fake Miss Keen. It's like, which one is the real Miss Keen? It's like, if you shout out if you know what episode I'm talking about because that was, like, oh, my God. Right. That riddle fucked me up to this day. But, anywho, let me start with these, like, random-ass, like, 90s cartoon <laughs> references. <laughs> references. My old-ass um, 26 girl. Let me stop. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, so, basically... Yeah, like, I think that, like, Steve is going to... Yeah, so I think Steve is low-key God, but I also think that Steve is going to, like, die tragically later in the book, and that'll kind of leave Lisa to her own devices as a way to sort of, like, kind of similar to Nona, to sort of see herself outside of Steve. Um, and lastly, I think that now that Ignacio is sort of leading the halal that Noelani used to lead, I think... Ignacio is sort of described as being kind of shady, so I think he's going to continue to be shady, but I think he's also going to be successful i think like there's gonna be probably some like hula performance where like ignacio and noelani's group like go again like you know battle it out and like i think noelani's group will probably lose because they'll be more untraditional Mm. but the crowd will resonate more with them ignacio's group will probably win because they're more traditional but it'll be it'll kind of illustrate how like things like what noelani did was really important so i think ignacio will be successful but sort of like a continuation of the status quo whereas noelani will be successful in like a cultural impact that ignacio can never reach so yeah so i think that's gonna take place yeah so that's kind of where i'm at oh okay i like it i this this steve is a low-key god thing i kind of want to look into it more when i'm reading the second half i'm gonna be like wait steve steve are you is this bruce almighty or what's it yeah i was like are you are you are you working for right, like, like, like what? <laughs> what's going like, on? What's here? the tea, Steve? Like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> like what? But yeah. So, you think we're good to wrap up here? Well, so before we go, I just want to say my quote, mm, um, yes, yes, yes. which is, which was probably the reason why I think that Noelani is going to transcend into a seafoam god. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> there's a part when she's talking about the evolution of Hula that I really liked, and she says. She was tired of the same odes to the island, the calls to Pele, not because she was tired of Pele, but because the calls themselves had become tired. 
She was tired of choreographing the same thing, same dance steps over and over, and the nitpicking of the hula judges. And then I cut out part of it, but then she goes on to say, These are tomorrow's ancient times, tomorrow's golden age. We are conquerors and colonizers, warriors and dancers. And I loved that because mm. I don't think we see ourselves as the past. And we don't, I think we think of ourselves, I, we just think of ourselves as beholden to the past. And we don't think of ourselves as making the past for someone else so that we are also tradition makers currently right as opposed to just vessels for the past to continue their lifespan so i really like that quote and it kind of moved me and i i also think it was just very beautifully written mm. so i really appreciated it i love that i love that great well if you have no other further thoughts i am personally very excited to finish this book i think especially after our last episode <laughs> talking about house of the spirits this is kind of <laughs> refreshing like you know it's like definitely not yes. as much indignation as we experienced in that last episode <laughs> um, were we mad last were we mad last episode were we angry like, 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 like a tad like a splash of anger um so we do like to read books just want to reassure you all of that uh, it was just <laughs> house of the spirits was a who she was a beast anywho but yes so Moving forward, if you would like to get in touch with us, we have a Twitter page at The Colored Pages where we often will post quotes and, you know, sort of cutesy things like that, sort of give you all like episode previews and things of that nature. So follow us on Twitter at The Colored Pages. We also have an email address um, at thesecoloredpages at gmail.com. So feel free to shoot us any thoughts that you have on the book thus far. Like if you all have read this book too and like you kind of have some things you want us to talk about in part two or whatever, whatever, like yeah. let us know. And we'll give you a shout out. Yes, we will. Um, and we also have a website at thesecoloredpages.com. Um, is that everything? Yeah, but I think we should probably remind our viewers to stay, stay colorful. colorful.